When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. producer up in a booth. Uh, we are supposed to record uh, some new production for uh, uh, the uh, thing down in South Bend, Indiana, them sports dudes or the yak man, whatever it's called. I don't care who's waiting for what. I'm not doing anything until I finish eating my lunch. That's all I ask. Let me eat my lunch. And those two idiots in South Bend can just wait. In fact, they can wait for two years before I do anything with that. Uh, yeah, Jim, it's me, Darnell, producer up in the booth. I know you're eating, but would you please just do it so that you and I could go home and just relax and not do stuff? Would you just do it? Sure, I don't care. Let me, I got a mouthful of sandwich right now. Here, yeah, buddy. I, Jim Shorts, and it's time for Sports Yet. Here, South Bend on the podcast. I can't even eat, so here's your host, Corey Mann, and the other guy, whatever his name is, on the sports podcast that no one's listening to. How is that done, though? That's not a good. At least it's done now. Now, here's the sports yak, dudes. Welcome to episode 107. Well, that sounded like my first radio job, 107. You know what episode this is? Please tell me. The Steve Stone episode. Hey, everybody, it's Steve Stone. Welcome to the ballpark. 107 wins. Still one of my favorite analysts yeah. on TV. Uh, is he calling multiple games, uh, multiple teams, or is he still a Cubs guy, a Sox guy? White Sox guy. Oh, wow. Used to be the Cubs guy Yes. with Harry and then Chip. And then the Cubs released him, and the White Sox picked him up, and he's doing a stellar job with Jason Benetti on the White Sox game. What do you like about him? You said he's one of your favorites. What uh, What is it? Well, for one, he explains some of the little things in the game. So I was watching a game recently where he said, there's going to be a pickoff play at second base, and here's how I know. And he explained that the shortstop, 
had taken off his glove and put it back on. And that's kind of a sign to the catcher that, hey, I think we can get this guy out at second base. Hmm. Okay. A little nuance to the game that 99.9% of us aren't going to pick up on. He knows it. He sees it. He tells you about it. It happens. Last night, both you and I were in attendance of the Midwest League All-Star Game. I read uh, Joe Hart's Facebook uh, post about just the hard work and effort that he and his staff he's very happy for. Kind of a, in my opinion, a bounce back on a train wreck of Pitbull. But uh, Monday night was great with the home run derby. And last night was a very enjoyable game. Well, first of all, the weather couldn't have been more ideal last night. Yes. Terrific baseball weather. Bring in Wayne Mesmer to do the national anthem. I would be curious to see if Wayne Mesmer has a rivalry with Jim Cornelison. You know what? Uh, I'll say this out loud. I I was walking through the uh, the tunnel to come over to say hi to you, and I ran into Wayne. Got to meet him. He told me about a, a shoulder injury, an MRI that he's working on, and and he and I said I've been a fan for a long time because of you know your history in Chicago. And he's like, oh, are you a singer? And I said, no, I'm just a fan. And of course, I didn't follow up with like, hey, would you like to be on the yak? But that is my next step today. And that'll be a great question because there's kind of a big three in Chicago, isn't there? There's Wayne, your guy you just said. Jim Cornelison. Isn't there another guy that wears all black? He's a younger guy than both Wayne and Jim. I see him at Cubs games every now and then. He's a friend of Joe Madden's, though. I don't think he's necessarily a threat to Mesmer or Cornelison. Okay. But he's still singing at Cubs games. That's a big True. deal, right? True. Yeah. So that was great hearing the national anthem from Wayne last night. And then the ball game itself, well played, as you would expect an all-star game to be. Uh, The pitching dominated somewhat. And they had an interesting way of resolving an extra inning game. Rather than having it drag out, they had a home run derby to solve the extra inning affair. Won by the same person who won the home run derby on Monday night, shockingly enough. Chris Betts out of Bowling Green giving the East a 4-3 win. What'd you eat last night? Anything? I had the traditional hot dog. I had a tub of popcorn that I shared with my daughters. You had a ballpark fright? had a ballpark fright? Yeah, a ballpark fright. And a beverage. All right. And so earlier that day, uh, Cubs great Ryan Sandberg uh, spoke at a luncheon that they had that tied into the whole All-Star weekend. Well, he's an ambassador of the Cubs. Andrew Berlin, the owner of the South Bend Cubs, is also a part owner of the Chicago Cubs. Okay. So he's got some ties to Sandberg, and they brought him down. He threw out the first pitch last night, but he spoke at the All-Star luncheon. In terms of uh, the book Vital Speeches that comes out now and then that has some of the great speeches uh, around the world, this will not be in it. Uh, But after he got done with the speech, he came downstairs, uh, met the media, and we got a chance to pepper Ryan Sandberg, play a little bit of pepper with Ryan, and ask him uh, about eight and a half minutes worth of questions. I know you've coached in this ballpark before a few years back. Have you been in it since Andrew's taken over and and redone it? I have not seen the new ballpark here. Looking forward to it. Uh, I did see the old one, which uh, at the time, at the time in 2007, 2008 was adequate. Uh, so I, you know, I've heard so many good things about uh, about what's going on here with the with the facility. Can't wait to get over there. And you really see that around baseball. Um, 
There, there are nice, uh, nice facilities out there, and uh, the players have it good, and uh, it's, it's really getting them ready for the, the major leagues. So here, here's no different uh, player playing on this field or, or for, uh, for uh, South Bend uh, is treated like a major leaguer in some regards. I think it's first class uh, here and, uh, and gets them ready because uh, nowadays in, in Major League Baseball, a, a player that's here can leave here and go to double-A and have three hot weeks and be in the big leagues. Mm -hmm. So um, it's a continuation, I've heard. South Bend is of, of Wrigley Field in Chicago and how they do there, and I think it's a very good affiliate. What are you most looking forward to tonight? Uh, just stretching the arm out a little bit, uh, <laughs> get one more toss in there. Um, actually, you know, it's it's a festive uh, time and a festi the festivities, and it's an all-star game, and those those never rolled. I've played in some major league ones, but an all-star game is an all-star game any level, and that's the way that these players should look at it. It's an honor. Um, I talked about it uh, when I when I played my first all-star game. I wanted to create a habit there because I enjoyed it so much. So. Uh, and then it's in front of the fans and the, and the fan support that they get here in South Bend. Uh, heard good things about that. What's the best kind of advice you can give to a minor league player trying to make their way up to the big leagues? Uh, I mentioned it in my talk, uh, show up every day and go to work every day. Um, it's easy to say it's harder to do because you can be complacent and, and uh, have good games and still have some weaknesses on some part of your game. If you have good games and just get by, uh, kind of mask of what you really need to work on to be a major league player when that opportunity comes. So if you show up every day and, and get your work in, um, there's times to make adjustments, there's time to listen to your coach, uh, there's time to work on your weaknesses. Uh, for me, it was the backhand play up the middle at second base uh, and turning the double play. So I, I worked the most time on that, uh, just to iron that out and keep that brushed up and, and well, and then uh, when these players do get a call, which can come very shortly these days in, in Major League Baseball, a guy in A-ball, real good player uh, that's going well, and now if he's asked to go to double-A for two or three weeks and, and does well, he could be in the big leagues. So the players, if they get their work in and show up every day and, and be going well, they could be the guy, next guy to the big leagues. Sunday was the 35th anniversary of the Sandville Games. How well do you remember that day and how special is that day for you? Uh, it was life-changing for me. It really was. It um, took me to another level as far as what I thought of myself as a player. Really, the first time that I felt like a major league player, like I belonged. That's third year in the big leagues. Uh, that's how it was back then. If you, if you act too cocky earlier, too early, uh, players and uh, opponents would do something about that back in my day. So you tiptoed around a little bit and you just kind of mind your own business and you worked on your weaknesses and you played and uh, 84 kind of changed all that and that game started with that game. Um, it really jumped me to the uh, my first All-Star game because I was second place in the voting to Steve Sachs for second base National League before the game. After the game, nationally televised game of the week, passed him and I started my first of, of 10 All-Star games. So it was life-changing. Uh, the Cubs were on the high rise uh, with our team that we had, uh, Harry Carey, Steve Stone, WGN every day. Uh, and we, you know, I just saw the fans come out of the woodwork uh, in L.A. and Montreal and New York and, and Houston and across the country because of WGN and now a winning team in 84. Uh, 
that also became my goal the rest of the career was to experience that in postseason baseball. You mentioned the 0 for 33, so I'm not bringing it up, but uh, how did you persevere during that time? Uh, at uh, 22 years old, uh, not knowing if I belonged, it was, there was a lot of question marks whether I did belong. Um, there was a little conversation in, uh, in Lee Ely, as the, who was the manager at the time, and Dallas Green in the office about, hey, everything's fine, son. Just you're playing great defense at third base. Just continue. And But as I've grown older and seen how that works, that might have been the last hurrah if I'd have not gotten a hit for another two or three games. That could have been back to the minor leagues, and then who knows. So for me, it's not really looking back at it because I really don't want to look back at that. <laughs> what could have been... Uh, but I know what could have been, and uh, that could have been a whole different path and maybe a, a longer road uh, to the big leagues. You just never know if, if you're not performing, and uh, there's always somebody else, and there's always the competition, somebody behind you to come up and take your job. Last so, couple of years. It was also throughout my career uh, getting through that. Uh, I, as a young player, I found out what I needed to do and uh, choke up a little on the bat, put the bat on the ball, up the middle, back at the pitcher, things like that. That, that never went away, and I found other ways to get out of slumps, but uh, I had to get out of that one, and I never forgot what I did to get out of it. As a guy who played so many years in Chicago at Wrigley Field, you, you know the history of the franchise. What was it like for you to see them finally break through a couple years ago? Uh, that was life-changing as well. Uh, 2016 Cubs, the whole ride. I had just rejoined the team um, August of 15, so I saw that the, the young players, and I saw what they did going to go into postseason 15. And, and the players' average age is probably 23, 24 years old. So I was impressed. And, uh, yeah, when they finally won the whole thing, really, I dreamt about it for my whole career, dreamt about it post-career, really never thought it would happen because it just it, it didn't look good. And uh, even leading up to 2015, the 100-loss seasons in a row, which was part of the plan, by the way, to start from the ground up and the to have the minor leagues and the draft picks and all that, to see it all come together um, like it did, it was just incredible. I mean, I, I wear the ring uh, just about wherever I go as a reminder, share it with the fans. Um, I did not throw a pitch. I didn't, uh, I didn't catch a grounder or, or hit a baseball in 16, but I was the ambassador uh, just coming back from the Phillies the year before. So with, with uh, the, the Cubs giving me a ring as a Hall of Famer, uh, I share it wherever I can. You mentioned a couple times today how the game has changed somewhat since you played. Do you like the game today, or do you wish it kind of went back to a little bit of the 80s style? No, I like the game. I like the game. Uh, as a fan, when I go to Wrigley Field now, I go to about 60 games out of 81, uh, so I'm there a lot. I want to see the best players on both teams play. Uh, so to... Uh, to bring safety into it with uh, not bowing down the catcher, going out of your way to do that, or uh, the unnecessary breaking up of double plays, which I endured for 17 years. It was part of the game, but it's dangerous out there. And the, the, the pitching inside, which you don't see, you know, the purpose pitch in the middle of the back or at the head, under the chin, all those things. Uh, it's all for the safety of the game and have the best players out there to be seen. So I enjoy that. Um, the ball is flying out of the ballpark like crazy. I have noticed that, so that, <laughs> it's a little fishy there. Um, all about the baseball, I would think. Um, I do like uh, the cleaned up. The baseball is cleaned up, and the testing and all that is working very well. And uh, all the young players coming up get that message loud and clear. So I feel good about that. 
I think it's a great game. I think the uh, um, the venues are terrific. Uh, the ballparks are great. They're, they're for baseball, and I think the fans are enjoying that. Thanks, guys. Thanks for you. Thank you. Sports Sports Yak, part of the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Find more of your favorite podcasts at Spreaker.com slash Studio DNA. Follow the Yak on Twitter at Sports Yak with two Ks, but the second K is silent. So I watched this uh, when you sent it to me, and he says two things that uh, perked my ears. He likes the game that's being played. He's noticing that the ball is getting out of the park more than ever. But he, his next comment was, "It's it's it's not the players. It's not the uh, there's any illegal activity. There's something about the ball." Well, he wanted to make sure that nobody thinks that we're entering into another steroid era. Yeah, where remember when McGuire and Sosa had their big chase in '98? That was all about steroids. Then Barry Bonds follows, and it goes into the early 2000s. So Major League Baseball, I think has done a very good job, as Sandberg said, of cleaning up the game, of taking steroids out of it, of making sure there is quality punishment if you do participate in that kind of activity. So then let's go back to the actual making of the baseballs. And there was an article on CBSSports.com earlier this year when this home run trend by May a lot of baseball observers were able to say, hey, this seems a little bit different. And apparently uh, there was a guy by the name of R.J. Anderson who does this story. And back in 2017, there was a fellow named Rob Arthur, a writer at Baseball Prospectus, who during the season found evidence that the baseball had a changed composition. Major League Baseball later confirmed his findings that the ball had changed in comparison to the previous year's model. It could be the case again this year. So to understand what that means, you have to understand the difference between a regular baseball and what they would call a juiced one, which might be used now, boils down to the density of the core. In 2017, the core was 40% less dense than in the older balls. So when paired with other changes, the result was a ball that had less drag, was more likely to travel quicker and longer than its predecessor. And that certainly seems to be validated by what we're seeing on the field this year. I remember we we talked about this, like how many balls are actually used in a game somewhere in the ballpark, no pun intended, 150 and above. These are brand new balls, I'm guessing, for each game. Yes. How does a juiced ball get into the regular ball lineup? Well, it's not that they're into the regular ball lineup. They're all juiced. Okay. They're all made this particular way. Okay. And so whether that's a quality control thing at the baseball factory, which is down in Costa Rica, or whether that's a mandate for Major League Baseball, we want to increase scoring in our game. We want more home runs. Most people think it's the latter rather than the former. Most people think that it's a unspoken mandate for Major League Baseball. This is what we want to see happen. 
So they're in on it, and they're telling Costa Rica, make these balls, what is it, more dense? Less D- dense. Less dense. Less dense. Okay. That's fascinating, isn't it? A little bit, yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely some science involved with that that goes past my classes. However, I disagree with Sandberg on one thing. Okay. I don't think it's necessarily a better game now than it was when there were more strategic things that a manager would do. It seems like every manager now is waiting for the three-run homer. Get a walk, get a base hit, have somebody slap one over the fence, get the three-run homer. And I realize that kind of goes back to the Earl Weaver days in Baltimore in the 1970s. I liked the game when there was more stolen bases, hit and run, bunt, more strategy that went into the game where you could kind of think along. What What is there to think along to now other than guessing what pitch a pitcher might throw on a certain hmm. delivery? Now I realize that with the shifts that are going on now and things like that, it might make it tougher for ball clubs to do that. But my thinking is take advantage of the shift. Last night, Matt Carpenter of the Cardinals bunted for a double because they had everybody shifted away. He bunted it down the line, knew he was doing it. It was kind of a drag bunt. And he wound up bunting for a double because people were all out of position. Take advantage of what the defense is giving you. We interviewed Buddy, well, you interviewed Buddy Bailey on uh, Monday's episode of Sports Yak, which was a, a fascinating um, conversation. Got a lot of feedback about that. Buddy got a an award, like a plaque last night that's going to hang at the ballpark. Mr. 2100. Yeah, good for him. Someone asked me uh, if, if you got a chance to ask this, and maybe we didn't air it or cut it out of the interview, was he's kind of worked his way backwards. He's He's gone all over. Yeah. He's gone up, down. I think he's happy working for the Cubs, working for the organization, and he goes to wherever they tell him to go. Okay. And uh, and in his resume, ever a major league co- coach? He was a major league bench coach for the Red Sox in 2000. Okay. All right. So he said he enjoyed that. He said he dreamed of being a big league skipper, probably could have been a big league skipper, uh, but wasn't with the right organization to do that at the time. And now I think he's 62, 63 years old. He he will probably be in the minors for life. Major League Baseball Crosstown Classic last night. White Sox and the Cubs. 3-1 win for the White Sox, and it really pours some salt in the wound for the Cubs because the guy that wins the game for the White Sox, Aloy Jimenez, we saw him play here in South Bend. He played in the Midwest League All-Star game. Remember, he was traded to the White Sox as part of the Jose Quintana deal. Jose Quintana has been a serviceable pitcher for the Cubs. I'm not going to say he's been a bad pitcher for the Cubs. But right now, you would have to say that it appears the White Sox have had the better of this deal. Because Jimenez is a rising star. And last night, he showed that once again with this two-run homer off Pedro Strope in the ninth to win it. And I'm not sure that Quintana is necessarily going to be a linchpin in any Cubs postseason hopes. We'll see. 
It, it takes time for a trade to play its way out. But right now, it appears the White Sox got far the better of this deal. Pre-injury, would be would Hendricks be the best Cubs pitcher right now? Yeah, pre-injury, sure. Oh, boy. But he's on the shelf with an impingement in his shoulder, which means I don't know that we're going to see him again before the All-Star break. Now, Lester and Hamels. Hamels threw well again last night. He gave up one run. The Cub offense lately has been more of the problem than the Cub pitching. If you take a look at the Cub offensive production in the last five games, the four games against the Dodgers and the one last night against the White Sox, pretty close to scoring in binary code. I mean, zeros and ones. They've got to get more production out of people. I love Javi Baez, but he is not swinging a good bat right now. Nor is Addison Russell. Nor is Wilson Contreras. Rizzo has been a little cool as of late. He got the big home run on Saturday night to save their bacon, but they've lost six out of eight. They're not in a good place right now, and they have totally lost all power from their lineup, it seems. Let's shift gears. Uh, Local high school basketball, it's musical chairs with coaches. Man, oh man, some places have got to get some stability. Uh, New Prairie gets its third coach in three years. I think they'll have some stability now with Mike Bauer. Bauer was at St. Joe, 77 and 44 in five years. But I'll be honest with you, the parents at St. Joe seemed to get to him. And I think he had had enough and, and stepped aside, was the freshman coach last year under Mark Johnson. Obviously, it didn't get out of his blood. He's going to New Prairie. Now, I've Hey, I think parents are difficult to deal with at just about any high school these days. So we'll see how Mike handles the situation over at New Prairie. He's bringing his top assistant, Ben Wigginton, with him. And we'll see if he can build up the Cougar program that has had three different coaches in three years. Is the number one parent pushback, my kid's not playing enough? Of course. That's it. Of course. And, or... I don't think the style of ball that you play is conducive to my kid getting a college scholarship. Well, guess what? Your kid probably isn't good enough to get a college scholarship. Or you're thinking the only college scholarship worthy of your child is Division One, And quite frankly, if a Division Two, a Division Three, an NAIA school is willing to give your kid some financial help to go to college, you should take it. But... A lot of parents don't see the world that way. Then you have the South Bend Riley situation. So let's give you some background on the Riley situation. Three years ago, Mark Johnson had been at Riley for 15 years. And this has been well publicized in the papers. There was pressure put on him by a parent who is also a South Bend school board member to have their son on the varsity, on the team, despite the fact that Mark Johnson wanted to cut him. The principal at the time went to Mark Johnson and said, I want this boy on the team. Mark Johnson says, you've never told me before who to put on the team, and if this is going to be the case, then this will be my last year of coaching at Riley. And he held true to his word. He left. Wound up firing, filing a discrimination lawsuit against the South Bend schools for the harassment that he felt that he was getting from the school board member and her family. 
So in the following year, they bring in Eric Brand from Bethel. Eric Brand has some personal problems and decides that he needs to move his children closer to his parents. And so he steps down after one year at Riley. I can't necessarily blame any parents or anything for that. That was more of an Eric Brand situation. 2018, they bring in Jared Drake. There is another area coach who most of the people in the South Bend schools wanted to hire and would have had the job. But again, the same parent who intervened in 2016 intervened in this situation. They hired Jared Drake. Jared Drake has a very fine first year and loses in the sectional to Penn. I believe there were some internal problems within the building that Jared encountered. And so Jared decided, and Jared probably took a look at what's going on with the South Bend athletic situation right now with the athletic directors being in flux. And Jared decided to take the head coaching job at Southeastern Illinois Junior College. And so now the search goes on for the fourth coach in four years. So imagine if you're a senior at South Bend Riley, you will now have your fourth head coach in four years. What an unstable situation. And at this point, Corey, here we sit on June 19th. We have no idea who any of the athletic directors are going to be at any of the South Bend schools. Now, I understand that this may be resolved at next week's school board meeting, and hopefully it will be. Nevertheless, now the burden falls on the principal at Riley, who is Sean Henderson, to go out and find himself a basketball coach and one that can stand up to the pressures that apparently come from parents. Is that it for musical chairs? That's it for okay. musical chairs. Let's move up to the NBA, the draft. As we record this on a Wednesday morning, the draft is Thursday night. Well, it will be the shocker of all shockers if the New Orleans Pelicans do not take Zion Williamson with the number one pick. Uh, I think there would be rioting in the streets of New Orleans, quite frankly, if the Pelicans don't do that. He will be the franchise down there, for better or for worse. Okay. And remember, the Pelicans just made this deal with the Lakers, where they sent Anthony Davis to L.A. They brought in three players and three draft picks. So there's there's a lot of changes coming down in Nolens. Memphis has the number two pick. A lot of people expect them to take John Morant, the point guard out of Murray State, who really rocketed up the draft boards last year. You go on down to the Bulls. They pick at number seven. I don't think by the time you get to the seventh pick, I don't think there's any game changers in this draft. I don't think there's anybody sitting there where you say, yeah, if we get him, this is going to turn things around. I believe this draft is basically Zion, John Morant, R.J. Barrett, maybe, maybe Jarrett Culver out of Texas Tech. But once you get down to seven, I'm not sure it makes all that much difference. 
Tribune today has a preview. Their mock draft has the Bulls taking Kobe White, a point guard shooting guard out of North Carolina. Certainly, by the time you get down to the Pacers at number 18, I don't I don't think it matters. Any local names as far as high school slash college that we might recognize? Devin Kennedy, young man out of Marion High School, played for Princeton, has had a lot of workouts with teams. Uh, it's possible he could go in one of the two rounds of the draft. Carson Edwards, the kid out of Purdue, um, had a lot of pre-draft workouts. I think he'll definitely go. He could go in the first round, but I think he'll definitely go within round two. Um, I'm curious to see where Romeo Langford goes. Uh, Greg Doyle, the sports writer for the Indianapolis Star yesterday, made a big push for the Pacers to take Romeo Langford. He thinks he can really help them. This mock draft that appeared in the Tribune today has Orlando taking Langford with the number 16 pick. We've discussed this on the show. Langford was not the solution at IU last year. In fact, I think IU sometimes played better without Romeo in the lineup than they did with him. Mm -hmm. Some of that is because people were standing around waiting for Romeo to do things, and he had to try to do them on his own. That won't be the case in the NBA. So his game may be better suited to the NBA than it is the college game. I don't know Romeo Langford from people I've talked to who do. They say he's a terrific young man. So I'll take them at their word and wish him well. Um... But I just, I think when Romeo Langford came from high school to college, a lot of people thought that he could be a top 10 pick. That hasn't panned out. I think he'll definitely be a top 20 pick. Okay. Anything sports related? Anything else? We aired it all out. We're at 22. I think we're in good shape. Um, anything you want to talk about? We got anything pop culture to. I got something for you. Okay. This could possibly be one of my absolute favorite weeks in music history. I'm going to let you choose either 1991 or 1984. Ooh. Not both, just one. Okay. What are you going to go with? Well, can I hear what what backs up 84, what backs up 91? Both of those years have the exact same band doing something in my opinion that's downright awesome. I in, in my gut tells me you'll appreciate 84 better than 91, but you go ahead and choose what your heart thinks. Well, 84 goes more to my college prime, so I will go with 84. It was in this week in 1984 that the mighty Van Halen chose single number three to come off the fine album, 1984. A fun little song that you turn the windows down in the car and turn up nice and loud. Little Panama coming out your way. Is it about a girl? Is it about a car? David Lee Roth says, who cares? Enjoy the song. <laughs> So I grew up in a Pentecostal church, Assemblies of God. 
and we had Sunday morning service. We had Sunday night service. And my two best friends were the pastor's sons, Lance and Scott Reeve. And Scott introduced me to Van Halen in the 80s. So Sunday night at 7 o'clock on MTV, it's the world premiere of Van Halen Panama music video. So church started at 6 o'clock. At 6.58, Scott Reeve got up and walked out to use the restroom. At 6.59, his older brother Lance Reeve got up to use the restroom. And at 7 o'clock, a young Corey man sprints to the bathroom, which is underneath the church, back into the pastor's house, which is behind the church, gathered around, Chuck, this little black and white TV with an illegal cable hooked to it to watch (laughs) MTV so we can go, let's watch this Panama video in awe and then run back to the church and hopefully not be missed. We were missed. Were you? Yeah. We, oh, no. Th- three of the youth group boys getting up at the same time to use the restroom didn't didn't go over quite well. Yeah. We got called out by their dad who was preaching that night. And what did he say? Uh, he, he was one of the, you know, kind of the boys, we love you, but you, you got to lean into the Lord's word and you got to respect the thing and the blah. He didn't understand the magic of Van Halen. He didn't quite understand. <laughs> That we needed to see David Lee Roth swing from a giant rope. <laughs> so had I chosen 91, uh huh, what would I have heard? 1991. It was the week of June. Uh, what's the date today? The 19th. Uh, a, a fine album, in my opinion. One of their, their best with uh, Sammy Hagar. For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge came out this week. So Pound Cake, Run Around. Uh, top of the world, and this song right here, right now, big song. Still a big song in sports world. Oh, yeah. You play it at the right time. Yeah. This feels like, like a good coming out of halftime basketball song. Or intro song yes. right before tip off. Huge long intro. You can do a lot here. Yeah. So, like I said, both Van Halen uh, two weeks here, 91 and 84, but I thought you'd like 84. A I went with, I would go with Panama over yeah. this. Oh, this is a good song. So I, I gave tribute to both yesterday. Listened to both albums front to back as my day progressed. Wow. I front listened, to back? I listened, well, 1984 is 32 minutes long. Okay. So I listened to that from the house to the baseball game, and then a majority of that on the way home last night. All right. At full volume. Not this half volume crap. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for the Ryan Sandberg uh, chitty chat. That was good. It's we good will stuff. We'll try to have. We'll see if we can line up another guest for Friday show. I like what I'm hearing. You can always uh, reach out to us, the sports yak with two Ks at gmail.com. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on uh, Instagram. Chuck, you're at 46 Sports. Exactly. On the Twitter machine and the WHME 46 Sports Facebook page. Boom. You ready for this? Yeah. Wayne Mesmer, enjoyed meeting you last night. South Bend Cubs would like to invite you as a guest on the Sports Yak podcast. Retweet. Let's make it happen, Corey. I love it. Chuck and I do a segment on our morning show, Good Idea, Bad Idea. I threw out on Twitter, food delivery via drones at baseball games. Yeah. 67% bad idea. 33% good idea. Well, how about a text to snack bar delivery? That might go over a little bit better. Rather than drones, human delivery. Humans bring the ballpark, right? 
I think a human delivery would be better. Perhaps you'd like to explain for the yakophiles, the maniacs, the origin of why we say ballpark Frank, ballpark Frank. Why don't we let Eddie Murphy do it? It's it's him after all. Tracy Morgan told me that when he was in a car Morgan. accident, What's up, Tracy? I love him too. That you were the first guy to make him laugh. You called him and and made him laugh. Because Tracy told me that you he went to your house and you made him, as he said over and over again to me, ballpark Franks. <laughs> he said I went over there. He made me Franks, ballpark Franks. <laughs> That's why I'm always be cool with Eddie, because he may be them Franks. <laughs> and when I was young, they used to call me Fat Murphy. <laughs> That's when he told me that. That's it. He told me when he was young, they used to call him Fat Murphy. Everybody, imitate, everybody imitates Tracy Morgan. That's easily the best Tracy Morgan imitation <laughs> I've ever seen. Until next time, maniacs. Ooga looga. This is the Sports Yak Podcast. The following has been brought to you by Rabbit Wigs and the Studio DNA Podcast Network. You've been listening to Sports Yak, all sports information. All that you've just been heard has been copywritten. Don't steal any of this stuff. This is Jimmy Shorts. That's good. Hey, business owner. There's a new way to get your message out. Advertising with the Sports Yak Podcast with Chuck Freebie and Corey Mann. With over 100 episodes in the archives, this is the number one sports podcast on the Studio DNA Podcast Network. Actually, the only sports podcast on the network. Chuck and Corey have been friends for almost 30 years, and the podcast goes like this. Corey knows nothing about sports, but Chuck knows everything. With a mix of headlines, humor, and heart, this podcast continues to grow with three new episodes a week. With over 1,200 downloads in May of 2019, you can be assured your message will be heard by many. For example, their monumental episode 100 has been downloaded over 280 times. And with your commercial message strategically placed in the podcast recording, it'll be one of the first items the audience hears. Whether it's your advertising message or a podcast sponsorship, we'll help get your messages to the masses. Contact the sportsyak at gmail.com. That's the sportsyak with two K's at gmail.com for more info and download an episode of Sports Yak and hear for yourself. iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you download podcasts. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. 
Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.